This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Mind Escape. We are joined by friend of the show, our buddy Trent Stevens, and we are going to be discussing psychedelic metaphysics and entities. Very interesting stuff. Uh, before we get started tonight, you can actually go check out his podcast. It's called Continuing the Conversation. Uh, he has a Discord channel. I'll put the link to all that down below. And uh, yeah, it's an awesome thing, awesome setup he's got going on. He's got all these you know, wonderful minds connecting and they do this basically it's like a group podcast so it's a really cool idea so you should definitely check that out if you get a chance and uh let's see here before we get going uh head on over to our patreon at patreon.com slash mind escape podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments tons of new stuff up there uh we've got stuff with uh let's see here rick strassman laird scranton uh matthew clark uh Laura, the Megalith Hunter, I mean, you name it. And maybe we'll sneak one in here with Trent as well, so look out for that. Uh, also, I do have ones up there uh, with Martin and uh, or Martin from the Alchemical Mind and Anthony Tyler, so go check those out as well. And, uh, yeah, just great stuff. Head on over to our Discord channel if you have not already as well. One more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live sign up for a profile today uh, if you like speculating hypothesizing theorizing on all the topics we normally discuss it's the perfect place to do it go set up a profile and it's not in the app store yet but we are still working on that so go check that out oh and one more thing uh, we are giving away these mind escape t-shirts or i should say this mind escape t-shirt uh, you see there on the screen at the end of the month um, so if you want to enter to win, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and uh, take a screenshot of it, and then send that to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com, and that will enter you to win. So we do have a few submissions, so you have a good chance if you enter. But uh, what's going on, Trent? Welcome back on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to have an episode here with you, sir. Yeah, I was. I was. I forgot the last time I was in Miami, but I did watch and I did enjoy. Yeah. We're joined awesome. by a fourth person here. You can't see him, but I got Plato behind me. His, his <laughs> shadow. Oh, nice. He's gonna point and he's gonna judge. Nice. Um, it's kind of related to the topic we'll be discussing here, which is kind of like metaphysics and paradigm shifts but specifically as they associate to psychedelics and stuff like that um before we get deep into it i mean 
how many experiences with like entities and stuff have you had on psychedelics? Is it something that's been prevalent or have you only had a few like transformational ones or? Man, I'd say in the like prior to DMT days, uh, maybe two or three. Um, but then once that, that first DMT experience and then, you know, all the following hundred or so, uh, they show up a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, in the past few, there was a, an LSD and an MDMA experience. So the, the same entities seem to, you know, join me there as well sometimes. And I, I, I think it was, you know, some sort of floodgate that kind of, you know, allowed that space to be entered easier. And you can get there even without them if you can for me anyway if i'm quiet my mind i can you know almost sense the entities nearby uh but it you know it's just the the experiences i've had have created these you know entities whether it's from out or within it's that's the experience that it calls to me <laughs> nice um yeah i mean i i can identify with like the whole possibly meditation um being able to get to some of those deeper states and seeing and experiencing weird things um when you've had these entity experiences have you felt like uh they were maybe do you think they're like external based on your experiences or do you think that they're part of your mind or subconscious like a projection of something internal or like what do you think's going on yes <laughs> all of the above all of that uh i mean there's i think i ebb and flow between you know really believing it's external and then really believing it's all internal and then getting to a point with why am i really believing any of that or what, what evidence do i have to really believe one or the other and, you know, you listen to podcasts like your guys and you read lots of books and you explore that question of is it without or within or. Probably a little combination of both. Exactly. And how do I know either way? So why pigeonhole myself into one or the other? Why not explore both possibilities? Mm. Absolutely. And whatever ramifications that might have. So what's the most intense uh, entity experience you've had? And was there like a message or some specific takeaway that you had from it? And everyone's the most intense at the time. Uh, no, no, back, but is there one that you like think yeah, back about a lot? Like, you know. Yeah, for sure. That first one, <laughs> that okay. first time, you know, when you, when it was like pulling a veil off. It was, you know, some voice that was there that was never there before and was, you know, so deep inside myself that it was shocking. And you realize that, oh, God, that I, I came back from it as like a person that I think I used to be. I had been like hiding behind all of this stuff that I piled on myself over years and years and years, alcohol and, you know, every other kind of self-torture I could do to myself in like ridiculous amounts. I'm not saying any of that's bad, but the reason I was doing it was this disconnection. And it was like coming back without all that baggage, 
because these entities, you know, kind of took it for you and said, here, look, I can show it to you. You can see it. Mm. And coming back and looking at it and going, oh, what have I, what did I, where did I put myself? Why am I here? <laughs> you know, what is it? What have I done? And realizing that it can be fixed because they just told you all you got to do is connect and love. And that's always been the message. That's been it for years. And every time I go back and ask some stupid question of the entities, like, hey, what am I doing? What do I need to do? Please help guide me every time. Loving connection. Is it in line with that? Is that your your highest intention? Hmm. And I've heard it said a thousand ways by a thousand different mystical teachers, but it all, you know, always for me anyway, the answer they just keep kicking my ass with is are you basing this move whatever this is on love and connection if not now you know why you're suffering (laughs) absolutely so those that was the message and it was you know shown to me through a self-intervention almost you know i felt like i was on the tv show intervention (laughs) like it was it was intense it was just my life shown to me and through a guide that was you know able to joke and laugh with me and kind of kick my ass and show me the ropes at the same time and yeah how do you you come back from that and you go oh shit and you change a few things and play with it a bit and go back and get the same message and say how am i not learning this (laughs) it seems so easy well, yeah, right when you come out of that, it's usually right there in your mind. And then as time goes on, you slip back into your own ways. Uh, next thing you know, a year has gone by and uh, you, you haven't been working on yourself and you got to kind of return to that. And we we seek out these ways to connect to that without it. You know, I don't want to be smoking DMT just to feel God like that. Is, that's not my goal here. My goal is to like have this connection and find other ways to get to it and sustain it and hold it and there's the meditation practices and the breathing practices and you know they're all they're all cool and fun in their own right and it's almost just that seeking for that connection you know Mm -hmm. and it's always there the connection is you're just too loud to have it all the time you know Mm -hmm. that higher self connection akashic akashic record whatever any system wants to call it uh you know you gotta quiet yourself to get to it and sometimes my mind can get quiet from sitting on a pillow on the floor and other times my mind takes you know three long tokes off a dmt pipe uh either way it's gonna get there i think (laughs) all right so like what would you say is the most um intense uh, psychedelic experience in terms of sometimes one catches you by surprise. I know I've had a few of the, you know, experiences, as I mentioned before, you know, that MDMA experience at that fish show. Uh, and I've had a couple others where I wasn't expecting it to kind of go as deep as it went. Uh, do you have any experiences like that? Yeah, I I think the one that, that this is described best by intense is probably two CB. Uh, it's one of the Shulgin compounds, uh, 2CB, 2CI, 2CT7. There are a bunch of them that came out, and they're all they're all a cool mix of MDMA and LSD and feel. But it was they were shocking. They were <laughs> it was intense. Uh, 
Yeah, is, and those those are from Pical, right? Is yeah, Pical? yeah, they're in Pical, and they're there are some cool ones. And I always loved reading Anne's uh, description of those two CB experiences in that book, and I've heard her tell stories of them, and it always sounded so nice. <laughs> what, <laughs> but then again, she always acted like mescaline was this really friendly thing too. What was like the closest yeah. experience like to that? that Cause obviously I don't, I've never done it. Um, yeah. So it was like this roller coaster wave of MDMA and LSD and you'd be feel, trying to figure out where, where it was, you know, am I tripping really hard? Am I rolling really hard? And you never quite knew and you're never quite either. And, uh, it was just, it's intense. And the only, the only other one that I say, I think I'd throw in that intense factor, that category is salvia. The salvia divinorum is just that, that word defines it. Just mm. intense, unworldly. Yeah. That one. How, long, how long does that last for? <sighs> the 2CB? Yeah. It's one of those four to six hours, something like that. You can, oh, it's not you too can, bad. You can stretch it out a little further if you want. So it's like yeah. an intense psilocybin. Length. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, when I was experimenting with that when I was in my young twenties, it was you know the MDMA crowd had it. That was who was running around with it. So instead of eating a roll at a party, people were having two CB at the party, and mm. it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, when you're rolling at a party, you're somewhat lucid just in this loving connected place but this was like throwing this weird disconnect of holy shit i'm tripping my balls off for just a few minutes and then i feel like i come back to my head and it was uh it was always a roller coaster yeah and they, i think that is says like the experience is a cross between like a serotogenic 5-ht2a receptor trip and then also combined with like an md uh, mdma uh, style experience yeah yeah, absolutely. It's a that was a fun one. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what do you think? Like, do you think anything colors or influences these experiences from like it, like in terms of maybe music or like if you're meditating or if you've just watched something or seen something, almost like a dream. Like how if you experience something that day, it might come out in the dream. Do you feel like that that happens with some of these experiences sometimes? Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it even it happens in both directions. It happens into the future and into the past. Mm. <laughs> sometimes future events seem to have flavored my earlier trips, and I'm sitting there trying to figure them out until something happens in the future, and you're like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they get flavored from all directions for sure. Our lives definitely, uh, you know. That's the our inner stories come out in those trips and have new pieces inter- introduced and connected. Yeah, I just um, think about like those like YouTube videos where it shows the guy with like one violin string at the edge of a table and he like hits the bow to it and then all the little granules start to take formation and it looks like some sort of like particle or something. Uh, I I think about us like that sometimes, you know, like you know, I think Mr. Vibrations over there can maybe speak to the spiritual element of that. Uh, but I, I just feel like since everything is frequency and vibration that when you're in those states, if there is all this neuroplasticity happening and we don't exactly know what consciousness is and we don't have all the answers yet, that maybe, um, 
some of these experiences are affected by other external things in different ways. I just wonder how much of it, you know, is, is that and how much of it is us. Right. No, I, who can know, but I, I know a lot of me comes out through these experiences. I'm, I'm shown a lot of myself and whether the guide is me or not, it's at least showing me things that, you know, with my normal eyes on, I miss. Mm. I just kind of, you know, you can't see things in yourself until somebody shows you or does it in front of you. And you can, you can take the cues from watching other people making the mistakes you're making and learn from that. But that rarely happens for me. Mm. I just gloss right over it. It's hard to see your own Tom Fullery. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, again, like the concert thing too, you know, when we're, I've been at like a Umphreys show or like a fish show or, you know, just any other jam band when it gets to the point of the jam where it's like climaxing, there's like, there's definitely this like feeling of like ecstasy that happens almost like you're part of this thing that's happening. And this is the pinnacle of that thing. I know you're not the biggest jam head, although I'm sure you like that stuff. Uh, but you are you the one that always tells me to check out Spangle? Oh hell yeah, do yeah, that! Think, yeah, no, Ignore. I'm saying are, are you the one that you, there's somebody that always recommends it on all our yes. comments? I think it's you. Yes, definitely yeah. me. That was oh man, I went to the show. It was in the winter uh, in New York City, and it was the first Spangle DJ set I'd ever been to, and it was it was amazing. Android Jones running visuals. Uh, it it was fantastic. And what, it's like it's techno just, music? Yeah, so it's it's Spangle is almost like techno but instrumental techno. I like and that stuff. The yeah. full band has like, you know, 20 pieces that they put together this show. And then the Spangle DJ is just the Potsford, the guy that that uh orchestrates the whole thing. It's him just using that music and mixing it as a DJ. And it's it was awesome. It was just like a six hour dance party in Webster mm. Hall in New York City with Android throwing VR three D stuff all over the place. It was interesting. Yeah, I, I have checked it out. It is it's it's pretty good for that genre. Like I'm not the biggest fan of that genre, but I do like can appreciate what it is. And obviously, I yeah. think if you were at that show, you'd probably have a great time. How do you? And spell just it? like you're saying, you know, they build you up, and you're in this crowd. S H P O N G L E, I believe. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, th- there's jam bands like that too. I think. Uh, have you ever sure. heard of the, the, the Disco new, Biscuits, the New Deal, or Disco Biscuits? Like, yeah, the kind of. Yeah, the Disco new Deal. Biscuits, that's been live forever. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, they're old. They're like they're one of the big the, the founders yeah. of the whole thing. The For New sure. Deal is is just insane. I don't know if you've checked them out, but you should if you have it. I remember uh, this is a long time ago. I was probably twenty three. I remember going to see them at the Metro in Chicago, and it was like I think like one o'clock in the morning, like when they went on, and they didn't like finish till like five o'clock in the morning. I remember walking outside and like the sun was rising and stuff, which is insane to go see a, a show in Chicago like that at like a small club and. Yeah, I just remember uh, those were some good times. I was probably not the best yeah. best point in my life in terms of where I was at, but yeah, mm-hmm. partying was definitely fun those those late hours, those days. So yeah, um, 
But yeah, music, I think, has a huge influence. At least that's how we got into all the psychedelic stuff, as we've mentioned before, from uh, you know, the Grateful Dead and being fans of the Grateful Dead and then looking into like the electric Kool-Aid acid tests and Ken Kesey, the Merry Pranksters and like all that kind of stuff. That kind of the counterculture stuff kind of got us going and then Yeah. We got I into think music it. definitely like helps define us in life and leads us places. So I definitely, you know, grew up with different kinds of music throughout my life, kind of led different ways. So I got the whole punk ska thing as a kid, you know, it definitely formed some of those early beliefs and stuff that I had. And I can still look back and be like, oh, that's where you got that, huh? You remember some punk day where, you know, some song you really dug and those lyrics, you know, they worked their way in there. And, you know, you start to really believe the stuff that you're, you know, plugging into. Yeah. And then then it moved toward the techno, and that was rave culture. And in 2000 on, there was some really cool rave culture where I was and where you guys both are. Oh, yeah. Those places I'm in a little the young 2000s for that, but... were the scene. Well, I know it doesn't. Detroit has the Electronic Music Festival now. That's yeah, they still huge. have some quite yeah. the antics down there. From yeah, time it to used time. to be like underground and dirty and awesome, <laughs> and now it's huge and open and awesome. Like yeah. anybody can go. You can take your kids to see techno music, like outside in the city. It's so great. Well, there's this other thing there called Funk Night, um, where this DJ does this. Uh, all this like, it was multiple DJs. Yeah, it was like James Brown, like funk kind of like uh nice. techno-y kind of mixture between like all those genres and stuff. I remember I think we went to one after a fish show, that Kobo Hall fish show, and yeah. uh yeah, the guy almost didn't let me in. I'm like, dude, I'm balding. Look at the top of my head. You you don't think I'm twenty one? Like what's going on? And I was clearly I was like way over, but I didn't have my ID for some reason. But uh yeah, so yeah, those were the days. That but that was cool because it was like a pop up. It would pop up once a month in some random locations. I like things like that, you know? Yeah. Where... For sure. My early party days you like got a flyer that had a phone number on it that you like called. Mm-hmm. And they would like vet you on the phone before they give you the next <laughs> directions. And sometimes it was a damn scavenger hunt. You'd show up somewhere and they'd be like, oh, we had to move it over <laughs> here, go over there. And we like chased these things down. I did it in like the subways of Cincinnati, which are never function, never functioned. They started building them and abandoned them, which is an awesome place to check out. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, Maurice and I have our own experience with Cincinnati when we were 17, our parents, you know, we all had good grades and stuff. Our parents let us, one of our friend's dads drove us to Chicago and my dad lived there at the time to see fish in Chicago. This was when they came back from their first hiatus. And then from there, they allowed us to take a Greyhound from Chicago to Cincinnati to see fish two nights there at the U.S. Bank Arena. Um, and we Cincinnati's we, Greyhound Station. That's the okay, perfect place so, for any good story to start. So, so yeah, the, yes, the, yes, yeah, there was some some antics and some old deadheads and some some weird. So actually, that was the only time I was ever offered uh, DMT, and at the time. Our only knowledge of it, I mean, this is 2003. Our only knowledge of it was trip reports from Irwin. So, yeah, um, back then I wouldn't have known what it was. You would have stumped me. So, well, anyway, they talk about it in the acid test a little bit, but the guy loses his mind. So, it's not very appealing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but so, so yeah, that was the only, um, 
time I, I, we heard of that. But so we stayed at the Four Points Sheridan at the time. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. But it was just cool. Like we were like downtown. I mean, where we were there, it seemed like, you know, it was a good time, you know. But uh, yeah, I was just walking around and uh, after the show on Shakedown and getting some mystery meat on a stick. And, uh, nice. The car Um. So yeah, there was just uh, some some I don't know. It was good times back then. But yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We had a good time there. I mean, no complaints from our end of things. But we were only Absolutely. there for a couple nights. So no, I had a lot of fun while I was there. I just knew I was never going to be productive, so I'd get the hell out of there. It's too much fun. Some something about you know hanging around in the same place where you grew up with all your friends. There's just a lot of temptation to do a lot of stuff that's you know doesn't keep your focus. I think the best thing I ever did was move away and just get away from everybody that I grew up with. Not that I didn't love them or we had fun. Obviously that was the point, but if you're Uh ever going to do anything and find yourself and find meaning, you know, I think you need to break away a little bit and get out there. So, yeah, even if temporarily, and I think college was that outlet for a lot of people, but not everybody did that route. I think Mm. it's valuable to kind of, try on your own some somewhere new i at least found value in it we tried that in college too that was the problem it was all we stayed the crew was together still and that was a oh yeah that was a big crew it was a real issue too so. <laughs> there was nothing happening getting and good jams you know inspired yeah. jams but that's about it hell yeah um are you are you a musician at all I, I dibble and dabble with a bit of everything. I'm in a house full of musicians, uh, so I pick up instruments because they're always laying around, but I wouldn't call myself any sort of, uh, you know, I wouldn't pigeonhole myself into saying, like, I'm a guitarist because I just yeah. don't spend enough time doing that. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Uh, my wife's a fiddle player. My son is a, is a trumpet player. My daughter plays saxophone. I kind of did it all in high school. I was a band geek, so like I played pretty much all the woodwinds, a lot of the brass, just because I am ADHD as fuck. I never really spent any time on any one. Yeah. Yeah, I love bluegrass and fiddle and all that stuff. There's this one woman, I forget her name, but she's unbelievable at the mandolin. I've been watching a lot of her videos on YouTube lately. Um, But... uh, Yeah, I'll try and look up her name, but yeah, I just, I mean, for me, bluegrass, that, that's always been, you know, people, when we used to put it on in like high school and college and stuff, people were like, what are you listening to? You know, like, <laughs> it's just not a thing unless, a you, grew bigger up, now. unless you grew up yeah, in like the South or something bigger. back then that you weren't getting much of it, you know, it was maybe so like Del McCory in t- Tennessee yeah. or something like that, but. I grew up Southern Baptist, so like bluegrass was part of church every week. Nice. And when I like my wife, when I first met my wife, she is a huge deadhead. I like dreads down to her ass when I met her. She, she was super into bluegrass, and I kept hearing her play it. And I, you know, I was in this punk and techno world, and she would play bluegrass. And I'm like, I feel like I'm at church. Yeah. <laughs> and then slowly it grew on me, and now you know it's a lot of what we listen to. That's awesome. There's this girl I we recently came across, uh, Sierra Farrell. That's Man. that might be who it is. Maybe yeah, check that girl. Her voice is like unbelievable. Like nothing else you'll hear out right now. 
Style. You like Lindsay Sterling? You ever heard of her? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's like putting those two worlds—the the the violin or fiddle or whatever—and then the yeah. techno. Yeah, yeah, she rips. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to think. What I've seen like back in the day, there was. We saw. I've seen Del McCory, I think, at a music festival. Uh, yeah. Jazz mandolin project wasn't that was like Fishman's from Fish, his side project for a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. the The jam scene there really started embracing some some bluegrass opening stuff. A lot mm-hmm. of the jam shows I was going to, there'd be a bluegrass show opening, and I I love it. It's good stuff. Absolutely. There's um, a line that crosses though, where it ends being bluegrass and starts being country. And yeah. that line is hard yeah. to find, but when yeah. you hear it, it's like, oh, God, I'm listening to country music. Well, it's, yep. a, it's not necessarily country, which is bad. It's the alternative country. I right, mean. right. And the old country is good, at least to me. Yeah. I was going to say, if you listen to like old country, like uh, even, I don't know if you've, you should check out this guitar player, Danny Gatton. There's some All country, right. it's like chicken picking kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, Michael uh, loves that chicken picking. Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, even like okay, so like Jerry Reed, who played the the truck driver from uh, Smokey and the Bandit, yeah, dude, that guy is a phenomenal guitar player. Like, if he, he was used to arrange for Chet Atkins, who was you know one of the all time greats, and dude, that guy can can smoke the guitar. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, you you don't even realize some of these people back then, like what they're capable of doing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just depends. I like all sorts of music. I, I will agree though. Like, I think for me, I like, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but like more music oriented country, like where it's focused on like really good musicians and not like the singer kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's why, you know, you have music, all sorts of different people, like all sorts of different things. Yeah. No. And I think my, my, you know, psychedelic experiences kind of drive the music I like to listen to because they're ones that I had some experience while enjoying being, whether it was at some show or listening at the house while we were all hanging out doing something. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of other friends that listen to, you know, country or I don't even know what other kind of music I don't listen to because I don't listen to it. But like, <laughs> you know, that's just not what captures me because I haven't had those. Right. You know, mystical experiences that had Spangl playing in the background. I can listen to that all day. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I got to check that out. I have to check more of it out too. I did watch some videos yeah. after you told me to watch it though. Yeah, it looked like some, you know, pretty intense stuff and I could see how it would go along with psychedelic experience. You know, it's not like it's that out there, you know, like it it, it does kind of flow with that whole thing, so. Yeah. No, they definitely the guys that orchestrate it and put together the tracks and all that they definitely do it thinking in mind that their crowd is riding a wave out there so yeah i think that can be true to about most of the jam bands i think they whether or not they're still partaking in whatever substances they know their crowd is and you know they they play with that yeah i think the woman i was talking about on the uh the mandolin is sierra hall Sierra Hall. I don't know that name. Yeah, check her. Uh, is she, is she chicken picking or? No, she's a mandolin player. Yeah, just joking, bro. Well, I never know with you. 
<laughs> you say it's a joke sometimes. I don't even think you realize. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, I, I just, uh, I love, you know, good music in general. So I think it just, uh, like you said, it's just kind of goes along with all this stuff. Um, well, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a vibration, right? So it's, it's <laughs> like, it if you take any, if you take any art form, you could take a master painter and I have been moved by paintings and things like that. But when you have, I think music, I, I don't want to say it's the ultimate art, art form, but it's the most. I don't know. It's the it's the art form that I connect to the most. I'll just speak for myself, and I can listen to a song, and it can bring joy, or or it can bring tears. And I've never had that from looking at a painting personally. Yeah, right. No, the the vibration of it is just like even if I I feel like a lot of times even if I was deaf, like music would still hit me because I like feel it my whole body, yeah. like especially like a live acoustic guitar in the same room with you. You know, you feel that. You vibrate There's that it. one movie, I'll tell you what, that they do a good job depicting it because half the movie is, like, silent and just you feel this guy, like, silently, like, freaking out inside. I think he's, like, a metal drummer. I watched it with my Oh, wife. I watched a bit little of that, and I had to turn it. I had to leave, and I couldn't finish it. Yeah, the metal drummer. Yeah, uh, I forget. The guy's in a bunch of stuff. Anyways, it won, I heard like, it was a good some awards or something like that. But, yeah, it That's wasn't, good, huh? wasn't bad. It just kind of... Um, just ends. No, I mean, it's just kind of like a lot of parts are like silent and it just, you can feel like his internal struggle with it kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Kind of puts you in it a little bit. So, yeah. Well, I was going to say that they used to have sections at the Grateful Dead shows where they would give people that were deaf balloons and then they would feel the vibration through the balloon. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Um, Then was there, uh, Nitrous in the bloom for them. <laughs> there was one that they held, and the other one they could suck at. Uh, classic. Nice, yeah, I mean, when we it. when we arrived to the It Festival, which was the fish festival we went to in Maine when we were just graduating high school, uh, it was at an airport, like an old Air Force base, Loring Air Force Base in Maine, but they've shut it down. I think it's like a strip mall now or something. But at the time. It was an old Air Force base that just wasn't in use, but when we showed up, it sounded like an airport with all the tanks and everything. It was wow. it was just it was loud. It was very loud. Yeah. yeah. Um oddly enough, that um that Air Force base has had tons of UFO sightings, I guess, uh back in the day. So well, it's at the top of the world or the top of the US. <clears throat> yeah, so. I mean it's at the very tip, I think New Brunswick, it's like just over the border from New Brunswick or something. So um that was a weird place for that to ha- to go down. I mean, I had never been that far to the East Coast before, and to take a 19-hour drive to get there through... We actually went through Ver- your, Vermont. We went, stopped in Mount Pelier, had some... Uh, had a nice little uh, meal there. And, the uh, massive city of Montpelier. Yeah, it was just a nice little mountain town, and then yeah. uh, we stopped at some place where they were all like culinary students, and it was like good food, but cheaper because they were culinary students or something nice i don't know it was something kind of cool like that but uh but yeah good times i mean like i said music i think goes hand in hand at least for us with all this stuff i mean it's hard when we do the show because i don't want to feel like i go too deep into it because if people aren't into this kind of music it might not be interesting to them but i think that if you listen to our show and you like what we have to say this has been like one of the more massive influences on us and i think that that kind of stuff is what leads you to these other ponderings and these other like um you know knowledge quest type stuff it's almost like it embeds this mystery thing into you 
I don't know how or why specifically yet. I've been trying to figure that out, but uh, well, there's always been a connection to like improv, even with jazz. I, mean, I just got done reading uh, on the road for like the third time, and that's where they got the name for that one fish festival. It because they would go see these jazz players and they would have it. You know what I mean? So it's like even even the jazz they were expanding their their consciousness through improv, and I think that's kind of the beginning of all the improv bands. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's almost like a dumbed down version of jazz. Not to put the music down or anything, but it's like a, it's a simpler style, which right. which actually allows more common people to to kind of connect to yeah, it. Yeah, Maurice it, does not like fish anymore. We fight about it all the time. <laughs> I mean, I know I I, I oh, like no. the band, but I don't I don't necessarily think that the the stuff that they're doing right now is is their best. I well, still like the band, not. and I still listen to them all the time. I have them on my Pandora, but I like the. I kind of go up to the year 2003 and then, you know, back away if, if it's past that, but it is what P. it is. I was listening to a lot of the, uh, the, the, the Trey band, the lead guitar player solo project, yeah. uh, from recently. And I actually was grooving pretty good on that. Yeah. yeah I like f- some of his solo stuff for sure. The first solo yeah, album separate was really project. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I like all that stuff. Um, in terms of like what what about the psychedelic stuff do you think is the most like mysterious or like most like what makes you think the most about it is it or do you not really look at it like that do you know what i'm saying like is there some aspect of it that you find like most mysterious man no, I find stuff about myself mysterious. <laughs> they, it kind of opens doors and shows me, you know, stuff that I hadn't looked at. And that's the stuff that's mysterious. Is I get to these places where I feel like everything's grooving right along. And uh, then some new thing is shown to me. And it, you know, shifts, shifts how you look at all of life. Because, oh, I hadn't considered this aspect that you know, created this sensation in me when I do this one thing. You know, it's over life, I've like created reactions in myself and I'm slowly like unweaving them, you know, trip by trip. I feel like I'm able to tap into certain places that I've kept trauma and look at it and realize, oh, when that trauma happened, I, you know, tensed up a certain way. And now I feel that. And I, I'll tense and not even have the same experience going on, but it like created that trigger in me. Um, that's been the mysterious stuff mm. <laughs> is going back through some of that and rewriting some of those past traumas by, you know, telling myself that, hey, look, you made it. You're all right. Past me. <laughs> yeah, I wonder too, because I think. For me, obviously, we talk to a lot of different people. I read a lot of these people's books. Um, and I like some of the more esoteric elements of it. But it's weird because I feel like, okay, so I, I like that aspect of it. And I like doing psychedelics, obviously. But I think that when you look at it from like a research or like a studying it or some kind of a way, it it's it's... It's something completely separate. It's almost like I don't it's very hard to explain. I think if you're a researcher and you've done it, you definitely have insider insights that'll help you, you know, on that road. 
if if you get, get what I'm saying. But yeah. if you've never like done some of the things or whatever, I think you can have interesting insights into it, but until you've actually done it, I think to make like full declarations about things, I think is a problem. And I, I you know, I get that there's going to be scientists and everybody, you know, but well, I think you just I was just mentioning to you that clip that you shared of Strassman explaining oh, yeah. his DMT experience, just the, his story leading up to his experience telling there, saying that, you know, I did this back then, but I didn't want to tell anybody because mm. I didn't want to flavor my my research and say, obviously, you're going to promote this because you've done it and you're part of the culture. Right. Instead, he kept himself separate and later in life decided, oh, I can come out of the closet now. Because uh, mm-hmm. it does, it, it it definitely, you know, you don't want to be pigeonholed into being that guy that only does that because you were, you, you were into DMT. So now all your research has to be how positive it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, no, I mean I, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, like I said, I think, you know, some of the psychedelic scientists we talk, like you know, I think that, you know, there's some that'll admit it, some that won't. Uh, I think that there's people that are currently working on things that might have insider insights. And like you just said, there might not be willing to share. Maybe they will they'll write a book after it's all said and done or their research is complete or something like that. But um, yeah, I do think, um, I think it depends, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about DMT on this podcast. I've never done it. Maurice hasn't done it. Uh, however, I've done all the other serotogenic receptor uh, psychedelics. So I have a good idea and nonsense, you know, we've done salvia and, uh, stuff that, you know, works off your, uh, your other receptors, your kappa opioids and your, uh, you know, tropanes and things like that. So, um, I think we do have kind of an interesting look at it, but I think again, when you look at like a DMT, I'm not going to like make declarations. I'm going to ask a lot of questions because I think the interesting thing about it though, is that we do have it in our bodies. Like we produce it. And I don't know if you've seen that DMT quest documentary that John Chavez did, but he does a good job of showing like, look at how it started with like, you know, what Rick Strassman was doing and how, you know, there's an inkling that this could be at play. And then now this, uh, um, neuronal system agonist theory that they have where the whole our whole receptors could be playing off like when you do a psychedelic it could all be reduced down to those dmt uh receptors as opposed to just you know them working as separate compounds you know what i'm saying yeah no i i think just like i was saying in that first dmt experience i had where i i came back feeling like i was a person i used to be for the first time um I think that DMT space is something I can't recall specific childhood memories where I had, you know, awakening experiences or DMT mind blowing experiences. But after going through it as an adult, like I know I've been in that space before, like I whether it was at church, having some mystical thing as a child with the understanding I had then, um, whether it was at a rave, like I just I know I've been there. Because we do, we have DMT in us. We mm-hmm. we all know what it feels like. We just don't know that we know what it feels like. Right. So what do you what do you attribute that knowing that what it feels like? Is it like an awake, like a dream where you're kind of half awake, or it's just this you know an ineffable vibration? It's like so it's something you feel day to day while you're feel. awake. 
Yeah, right. It's like a, a state you can feel. And I think we tap into it all the time. But then when you, you know, overdose on it, or yeah, overdose is the wrong word. But when we, you know, smoke a whole bunch of DMT and flood our brain and our system with it, you know, we it, it's a more potent experience. But I think we always, we know that space. We know that vibration. We have it in us already. Uh, whether it's being created by our stomach or our pineal gland, that can be scientifically, you know, studied till we've figured it out. But right. we have it in us. It's being made. It's part of the zillion different systems we have in our body that regulate all these chemicals and hormones we produce. Well, you do have, I mean, mo- a lot of people talking about the more real than real, which is something that people talk about in dream states like lucid dreaming and also near-death experiences uh and obviously psychedelic experiences but um yeah i wonder if there's going to be any future research into that kind of stuff because i think that that would be fascinating and i will say i found because i follow a lot of obviously the different topics we we talk about on different forums and just see what people are saying it seems like the near-death people are resistant um to the idea that it could be uh, some sort of endogenous release. And we've talked about this with Strassman re- recently, and uh, Maurice likes the idea of it being like some sort of chemical gateway to another dimension. So when you die, you know, that's where you're going. And I think those people think of it as like, that's just the biological, physical thing happening in your body, and then it's done. So it's almost like threatening to their narrative of the idea. To their spiritual it, Yeah, there's something more. It's almost like a more of a religious or spiritual element to them. Yeah, no, and does one have to negate the other? Um, well, that's what I say, you know, why does, why can't it both be both kind of right. deal? Yeah, no, it doesn't seem to need to negate, you know, that being a gateway can still mean you're going to wherever you might think you're going. Right, and I would even argue to those people that that's where the idea of spirituality and religion might have or- originated from was possibly psychoactive compounds in general. I mean, that's been my reoccurring theme on the show for a while. I know there's some people that get specific and have different theories and actual books and on certain specific things, but I think all metaphysics, um, the idea of metaphysics comes from these altered states of consciousness, whether it be psychoactive compounds, lucid dreaming, you know, whatever, you know, fasting, sleep paralysis, fasting. Exactly. Right. There's Um, all kinds of ways the human body gets to a point where it has to have an altered experience. Right. So I think that that's where I would go with that. And like I said, I think that people just need to be a little bit more open-minded. And I think that if enough of those people got on board with it, you might start to see some more of that kind of research happening out there as opposed to just protecting the identity of what they think is, is happening as opposed to, you know, I think that when everybody gets fixated on one idea and it gets held on to for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, it becomes tough. Uh, to then, you know, work off that. You got to keep things moving, you know, you got to keep this ball rolling. You can't just stop at this one thing, so. Yeah, I think that we got the ball moving pretty good right now. We just got to keep pushing it up that mountain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, what What do you like in terms of stuff? Because obviously, uh, I mean, you're ingrained in the, the community and stuff. What do you like, you know, what do you like about what's going on with research for more of the scientific stuff? Is there anything that you focus on lately or just interested in from like a research standpoint? Man, the the stuff going on 
that Strassman mentioned. I think it was only in the Patreon section that he talked about it. But they're working on research about their, uh, neural regenesis or whatnot yeah. with DMT and not talking about tripping, talking about the actual chemical what it does to your neurons, which is just mind-blowing. I'm I'm no scientist, so I, I can't say I fully, uh, like, yeah, you're talking about grasp like, all of this. Algernon uh, Pharmaceuticals. Algernon, yeah. yeah. And they it's also crazy. are doing the stuff with the stroke stuff, too, because they think that somehow that DMT could preserve something that happens with the cells where they... I, preserve, and I protect, this, and rebuild, yeah. from how I understand it. Yeah, from, like, lack of oxygen, they get destroyed during the process so they think that that could help protect and regenerate after uh that happens which i think it'd be interesting to see where that research goes yeah that's the stuff that's caught my eye the most recently that i've just been blown away by because you know once we're once we're able to study some of these things because that you know we got our foot in the door on a lot of this because there's soldiers that have ptsd that nothing helps them there's some that we have great help for but some don't respond to any of the treatments we have. So, you know, MAPS is able to get these studies through to, like, really study psilocybin and MDMA to help these people with PTSD, and that's awesome. But now that we have these chemicals and we're allowed to study them, we can go deeper. We can look at how, you know, a mushroom might affect your your circulatory system. And it, it may not, it may do, but we now can possibly research it and i think that's super exciting well i think that that's what strassman actually used going into his trials was to use like basic metrics and in clinical studies to get it through to do it that way as opposed to as you mentioned before knowing that people are having these you know weird experiences and then trying to figure out you know a little bit more about that and now we even see those dmtx uh studies i know the dreaming jaguars are having that uh they announced Guess, uh, who it was. Yeah, I, I forgot the person's name, name, but check out Dreaming Jaguar's new video. Yeah. They have all the information on there, and looking forward to that. That's uh, going to be amazing. I, when I first heard that they had a person that was willing to talk that had been in that space for that long, I was just like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. That Would you ever too. participate in something like that, given the opportunity? A hundred percent. He's 100%. offering up his services if anybody's Knowing listening. Ladies and gentlemen, Imperial College, please listen. Knowing that somebody came back and can like not only function but can go and talk to other people, that's all I needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that uh it'll be interesting to see what happens obviously what this person has to say, but also, you know, I think one of the ideas is um do you think it's possible if you stayed in the state long enough to have a conversation or, cause I feel like all the trip reports and the people we've had on the podcast, it seems like there's some like missing connection between whatever this entity uh, is, whether it's a part of you or external. When communication starts to happen, you can interpret things almost like symbolism, but it sounds like there's not really an actual like conversation happening. It's some sort of, psychical thing happening so do you think that it's possible to actually converse with one of these things and find out hey are you you me or are you something else or what's going on here i think so i think we definitely have the ability to communicate and if there was a longer t- 
time we might understand the communication that's going back and forth because I think there is communication going back and forth and I, I can't say I understand it right. 99% of the time and I think a lot of other people are we're all trying to F the ineffable you know we're trying to put words to something that, that there's never been words for and uh yeah, I think there's communication going on, and it's going to take long periods in that space for us to build the language, to find the Rosetta Stone, to like tie their language to ours in a way that we can at least pass basic ideas back and forth. And I think being able to stay in that space is going to allow you to map it to a, to a certain degree, you know, to kind of see where the boundaries are and uh, poke and prod a bit, whether it's a Right. What about the symbolism, though? Like, let's say you got into that space and you started seeing some symbols that meant something to you. Would you then think that it would be something external trying to communicate with you? Or would you think that then, I mean, obviously you'd have to be in the experience. I'm just saying hypothetically. Or would you think that um, that that's you then? Because it, you know yourself and you know that that would be a way to get through to yourself. I think both. <laughs> And You're I think it's it so easy. both ways. <laughs> I mean, you go go at it both ways. Look at it as, oh, what am I trying to tell myself that I'm not listening to? And then say, you know, what is the universe trying to yell at me right now? And whether one's true or the other's true, they're probably still both useful to investigate. Well, I guess if you were looking at it even from like a Vedanta or pantheistic style, like the universe is one thing, and the one thing is considered, let's just say, God that maybe that that would be what's happening because then that would be a way to get outside your consciousness and have a conversation with something else and realize that it's all you and it's always been you the whole time or something like that. Bingo's is Namo. <laughs> That's it right there. Bing have you, bong. Have you ever had any uh, feelings like that or any like... Um, I don't even know if that's the right word, but any like experiences where you felt like had an epiphany similar to something like that? Tons of times. Okay. I mean, that's that's it right there. That's the feeling I'm always going for, I think. You know, that's the dragon you're trying to catch <laughs> is that, that moment where, you know, you have that realization that, oh, this is all, this is it, you know? Whatever it is and whatever's around you at the moment, that's it. That's the, that's the universe at the moment for you. And you can be thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow at 3.30 or you can soak up what what's there right then and right now and, you know, you're it. And mm. when you can have those moments of realization, you know, they can come a lot of ways. I I really do feel I've had those moments in a Southern Baptist church in mm. a small town in Ohio, you know. I had that connection to source, to something bigger and tied in and felt it. And then I've had it at a party i've had it reading a you know hindu text before the reboot gita will take you right there you get laughing about the absurdity of creation and the interconnectedness of everything and you can have moments where you're just like holy shit (laughs) this is it yeah no that that is interesting um yeah I, i think that uh with everything that's been going on you have seen this like evolved 
thing. Like I mentioned back in the day in high school, like you were kind of like an outcast or a weirdo if you were doing this kind of stuff. Like we were into jam bands. We were kind of in the cult countercultural stuff. Yeah, there were some people just doing it just to do it, but none of those people had any sort of insights. You know, they thought it was just like a cool thing to do, man. You know, there right. wasn't any like reverence or, you know, connection to anything greater. And I think that that's what set us apart back then, not to like toot our own horns, but we had some sort of like, you know, like Maurice mentioned, like on the road and like the Grateful Dead and just this sense of adventure and getting out there and like what's the meaning of, of being a human being, you know, kind of a thing. And Right. Um. I think that, you know, online you see a lot of people that don't think about that kind of, they don't associate psychedelics with even anything greater. And I think that those are the assholes you see leaving like mean comments to people or like talking shit, you know, it's like, and I guess that's, you know, it's not, again, we've taught, mentioned this before. They're not a cure all or silver bullet for the ego or anything like that. And I'm not, I'm not a kill the ego person anyways. I don't even believe in that. I think it's what you feed your ego. And I think that if anything, it helps you just realize stuff about yourself, this whole self dissolving thing. Yeah. I've gotten to States where I don't even realize I'm, I'm a thing anymore. So I guess maybe that's what they're talking about. But in terms of like your ego, that is what you are. You are. Yeah, no, ego. I think I, I think I'm my ego. So yeah. Killing that sounds like <laughs> not a way to build love and connection. Yeah. You know, like, it's what you feed it. You've got to feed it love right. and connection, you know, right. and you obviously have to love yourself before you can love other people. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or love your environment or whatever yeah. vibrating beings are around you. Like, unless you love yourself, you know, what is RuPaul, unless you love yourself, how the fuck are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> You know, like you, you yeah. got to, you got to find that self connection and then connect to s slowly bigger and bigger systems. If you go out and try and love the entire world and you've only learned to love yourself and not the people that are closest to you, you're going to fail. You need to first love yourself, love the people around you, love the community you're in, love your, you know, general culture and then love the whole world because you're never going to get to that outer ring i know i'm sure as hell not close to those outer rings i'm right. still learning to love the people that love me <laughs> yeah i mean it's and it's tough now obviously with the internet because you just see too much i think you just there's it's almost overwhelming and i think that that's what you see most people respond to is just too much information too quickly and it's too much for most people to process and i think it's yeah. from going from you know pagers and flip phones and stuff like that to now being able to see what anybody across the entire world is saying at any moment in time is just a lot to process, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I think that, uh, I don't know. I think we all just got to try our best because there's really no easy solution to this whole thing. It's just madness at this point. So yeah. Find a way to love and connect. <laughs> if that's only people that, that believe and think like you do, that's where you're at. And that's awesome. Do that. Love and connect to people that can sit where you're at. But if you're able to go another level and love somebody that's a little harder to love, I think there's a lot of reward in that. Hmm. That takes a lot of work to get to where you can, take an idea that you don't agree with and just sit with it and sit with that person and love them anyway. I, it's hard. Sometimes yeah. I can only love people that are just like me and I need my shell group and I need that family and that support. But 
when I step out and can love somebody difficult, that's that's when I feel the greatest rewards. And I think that's one of the lessons that all these experiences have really led me to is mm. that connection is the whole, all of it. You know, as much as I can connect to anything in my environment, I, I have a greater understanding of myself and the universe. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's it's definitely true. I think... I mean, I don't know if you've been watching any of our Mysteries and Metaphysics uh, episodes, but the whole point is to kind of go look at like how we thought about things before and how we think about them now. Um, and I think the the biggest shift in the consciousness has been this knowledge quest. It's reading all these books. It's listening to all these different peoples and perspectives. And um, through that you become aware of more people's consciousness and how they think and how they feel. And um, I think you just grow empathy through that. Like you become more empathetic. I mean, obviously, you know, a psychedelic experience here and there or meditation or whatever can bring some of those things out as well. But I think just connecting with more people um, grows you personally too. And I think that having that mix like early on it was all spiritual and mystical things and we kind of worked our way and now we're i'm entertaining more academic stuff mixed with some of the fringe stuff and maurice you know likes a little bit more of the spiritual stuff and we're kind of um kind of like a pendulum in a way of you know the way we think about these things but i will say that um through learning more like if you don't know how things work basically you're not going to learn the most complex things just because you want to believe them like that's not how things work uh unfortunately so i think that that's the biggest thing i've learned is just by learning the basic way of how things operate or the origins i think uh way i say it normally is if you look at the origins of things you get a better sense of how things work in general like if you learn how to the, the origins of an ancient civilization came about or the origins of inventions or the origins of great thinkers or things like that, you start to then learn these like patterns. And through that, you start to apply that to everything. So it's like my wife and I will fight about something and I'll look up the origins of it and then I'll have all this knowledge. And there's a lot of people that just don't want to look things up or they don't care or whatever. And that's fine too. Uh, But I think that we get in a deep hole with this fighting online and stuff, I guess is, is where I start to get aggravated. It's like, we all have Google. We all have the modern Google. day Ak- Akashic record at our fingertips. We can all look up anything at any point. Why Why not do that? And I, I think that people are, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of people are resistant to just taking a couple minutes just to learn something new. And I try and learn as much new stuff every day as I can. So hopefully. Yeah, I get frustrated. I don't have enough time to learn as much <laughs> as well, I want. Well, you try and learn one thing a day, you know, that's not yeah. too yeah. hard to ask. I mean, even if you listen to like an audio book, uh, by the way, I want to have you back on and talk about this in the future. I think you've brought it up before, but this, this book, The Four Agreements. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to start listening to that uh, audio book here Definitely shortly. Definitely do that. Um, I wanted to tell you a little story. I was listening to an audio book last night, The, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I woke up this morning, popped it, pop, tried to pop it back on, and it was taken down by the author. So clearly, he isn't practicing the art. <laughs> he gave a fuck and he, took he it cared. Down. He he cared. Oh, my. That's rough. <laughs> no, it was probably his publishing company or something. But was it a I, new I, book? Have you, it... you never heard of that book? No, but yeah, was it? I have. Is it new or has it been out for a while? It's, 
it's it's relatively new within the last in that when I say it like ten years. Oh or well, so. maybe they something with like the audio book version of it or something they wanted to change or something. Well, like, it was on it was on YouTube for free. So oh, obviously, there you go. Yeah, that's, the, that's what do you mean? That's it. Why would yeah, you? that is it? That's what I'm you, saying. You I thought it was buy... funny that the guy really he he did give a damn. So. No, but <laughs> if you have to buy, it, it's probably the publisher. But if you have to buy it on Audible, that's probably yeah. definitely why. I mean, yeah. if think about it, if you wrote a book, why would you you would just be cool with people? That's your art. You spent time in it. I'm all about again. Getting... Most people wouldn't, but the guy. If you listen to the book, you'll understand what, okay. what's going on. I, I mean, get what you're saying. It's 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 he, he he's just talking about how he you know would care less about things, and it was pretty good. I, I listened to like three or four chapters. I really enjoyed it. I was just kind of bummed that uh, it was gone in the morn. But yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff. Uh, some, for a while, they had the fish documentary, Bittersweet Motel, up, and then mm-hmm. it would always get taken down, and now there's just a really crappy version of it that's been up for like a long time. <laughs> like, it's such low quality. Yeah, it's like, like 580 or yeah. you know, The looks, band's oh, like, that's fine. If you want to listen to us <laughs> and watch us like that, you deserve it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they used to have, they used to, this one guy would post all these old Howard Stern uh, shows, and then they would take them down, then he would po- he'd, he'd pop up as a, I don't know if it was the same guy, but it would be like the same uh content but on different channels and they'd yeah. pop up then they get taken down pop up taken down well, was I mean, that that was cool. like that guitar teacher guy that was doing those fish um, yeah he still does them he just doesn't mess with the bands i get him get right get him flagged because he plays the videos in the middle of like the lesson while he's like doing it and obviously that'll yeah. that'll get you on on the copyright oh yeah absolutely um yeah i mean look um I, I see it both, you know, with the with the audiobook stuff. It's like if you spent like three years writing a book, you should get paid for it. I'm not one of these I people agree. that's like everything should be free. Like you're putting your time and your efforts and your your life story or whatever out there. I, I agree. Know. The author should get paid, but I think we have we have to solve the problem of there's no public library that people are using anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if there was a public library and there used to be a way that we got our community's resources together started so up share books we need to do that in a digital format and it has been done it exists i'm not going to say names on this because you the know, new the new library YouTube. of alexandria.com yeah exactly. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i definitely think that uh i definitely think that that's a good idea that should be the case um right. well, look because even if you went back because there's some that are are not copyright anymore. Like if they're a hundred years old or whatever, I think it is, or eighty years old, or some like dating. It's like twenty. Is it? Is it twenty years? I, uh, I, I think so. After a book's published, I think twenty years okay. later, okay. Pu- as long as the person isn't still holding rights to it or yeah, alive. Yeah. So whatever it is, I think it's different yeah. for different state or countries yeah. and stuff like that. But let's just say you said twenty or thirty. Well, then it should be able to. There should be some vault of all that stuff on there and even though it might be yes. outdated i think it would be a great resource for researchers and people studying right. like ancient civilizations and all sorts of stuff and all these people yeah. complaining about like nonsense in these different fields it's like if you put more information out there to the general public you'd have a lot less people questioning you or coming up with like crazy theories or whatever you know like that kind of stuff so I think that just more knowledge is better. And I guess that was my whole point to begin with, with this whole thinking from back then to now is like this evolution of becoming a more empathetic person is like knowledge is power. It gives you 
a better platform to think about things. And I think that once actually I got into philosophy is when I really felt like the biggest shift of consciousness. And I started to think about other people and the mind and how things work. And, uh, it just gave me a better sense. And I never really studied philosophy in school or anything like that. So they didn't teach us to it in basic, you know, high school either. So, yeah, no, I definitely, my first, wake up to that was like college sociology courses those were like the first time that I really was like oh wow you can like study how people act around each other and their interactions (laughs) with one another that's like a thing that people do and then you dive down those rabbit holes and humans are fucking interesting you know the stranger than fiction thing is there's a yeah. reason for that you well, can't plan what we do because it's irrational most of the time. <laughs> life is crazy in a way, you know, like we are, uh, I know people, I'm going to make a shirt. So a couple people mentioned it, but we are living, breathing magic. And I know I've said that on yeah. the show. So like, whether you want to believe anything more than just that statement, it's true. We're here. We're having these conversations. There's technologies, there's, you know, v- via science. And how did we get here? Well, you know, you could go down uh, a whole thing with that, but let's just say uh, superstition led to, you know, ritual, ritual led to philosophy, philosophy led to science. And, you know, here we are today. All right. the, it took, it took all those steps to get to the point where we have this technology now. So I would say that, um, yeah, I think that, you know, there is magic in the sense and from where we used to believe things to where we are now, I think it's all been important to understand our, our, uh, you know, our relationship to the universe. So, yeah. Uh, well, let's wrap it up here. Could you want to do awesome. a short Patreon segment? Do you have another 10, 15 minutes? Sure. All right. All right. Let's go for it. Um, so let's wrap it up here. If everybody's in or anybody's interested, go check out, uh, uh, Trent's podcast, continuing the conversation. Uh, it's on, Apple, I think you're on Spotify. You're on all Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, whatever. All Breaker. All right. And if you're Dumpty, I have no idea. (laughs) And if you're interested, definitely check that out because it is interesting in the way he brings people together via Discord, and they have these conversations, and then uh, they they come up with these episodes and topics and stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, And come join us. That's the most important part. Yeah. Go to Discord and join us. And Trent is all about community and online spaces and connecting people and everything. So, you know, I, that, like I said, I definitely recommend checking it out. And uh, I know he's been a huge support for us and uh, connected out to us, to some people. And, oh, he's looking at that. Is that one of the new, is that the new, new one from the store? No, that's uh, when they, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I ordered one for myself from the store. I've yet to open it up. but Nice. No, I haven't got the ones I ordered from the new little shop. The little shop of horrors. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, go uh, check. The- oh, also, if you're interested, since we are going to do a Patreon, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Again, if you listen to our show, it's just $2 a month. We are about to do one with Trent. We've got a ton of them on there with all of the different guests that we've had on the show. So go check that out. Also, we do have a Discord as well. You can check us out on Discord. Um, and we do Twitter spaces. I have, I'm not going to be doing much with the new baby on the way, but uh, 
you know, when I find some time after that, we'll get back to doing some of those Twitter spaces as well. Uh, also, head on over to injuresweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. Basically, we have these kinds of discussions on there and post uh, articles and stuff and, you know, no nonsense on there. It's just this kind of stuff and uh, without any of the extra background noise. So if you're interested, go set up a profile on there. And one more thing, we have the Mind Escape t-shirt that we are giving away at the end of the month. So if you're interested, uh, look at that beauty there. Uh, Trent has his on. If you're interested in the t-shirt, all you have to do <laughs> is go to uh, uh, our Apple Podcast channel and uh, go leave us a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, and then send it to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com, and that'll enter you to win. We have a few submissions, so there's a good chance if you uh, enter, you, you might win. So Beautiful. But uh, listen, Trent, this has been super fun. Like I said, I want to get yeah, you back on and that. discuss the four agreements once I get done with it because I know yes. I have heard you talk about it and you light up. So Absolutely. It's my jam. All right. Uh, well, everybody out there, stay safe. We love you, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace.